Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey everyone, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. My name is Kylie. I'm Savannah. And we are here to talk about the hardest category of all time. Films. Sorry, I already messed it up. Action films starring women. I love this category. (laughs) Um... <sighs> I loved doing this research, uh, which I did while standing in the line at the movie theater, mm-hmm. because I was like, every list that I was seeing was like 18 action films starring women, and I clicked on it, and it was like the same 18 films on every <laughs> single list. Yeah, yeah. Where someone just like copied and pasted. Yeah. Just in um, a slightly different order. Yeah, I found one today that was like, that had Captain Marvel on it. Like, they were literally like, we gotta put her on! We got one! Yeah, yeah. They added one more. Mm -hmm. Good for them. (laughs) Good job! You did it! Um, even as I was, uh, looking through some things, I was like, the woman's the second lead, or... Like third or fourth leap, man. There were some out. There were some characters out there. I was like, ah, we're so close to being able to talk about this, mm-hmm. but not quite. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll start with the inquiry of the half fortnight, and then we'll maybe talk a little bit about why we're gonna do this, and then so on and so forth. So, Sylvana. Yes, ma'am. We just did a ton of research. Very well, well very, done research. Very thorough. We took so much time doing it. Yeah. Savannah, who's your favorite woman action star? Kristen Stewart in Snow Snow White. (laughs) Snow White and the Huntsman. (laughs) So, so when I asked the the question action star, she almost fights. What I really mean... She trips over roots. What I really mean is like... Like, an actor who, despite just one character, is known as an action star. Yeah. So some examples would be, like, Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. or Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. or weirdly Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can we do that with a woman? Yeah, okay. Um, you can keep Christian Stewart if your one film is The White and the Huntsman. She's just... She wears armor. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that counts a uh, little. Uh-huh. But if we're being more specific, um well I'm sure I'll remember from some point on and think, "Oh, I should have said this because this was way more accurate to what I actually said." But I'm going to go with Zoe Saldana. Mhm. She's just, she's actually a chameleon. She's in pretty much, I feel like she's almost typecasted to be a chameleon at this point. And I, I mean, like, two of her biggest, two in her top three biggest uh, films, she has, like, severe makeup on. Mm-hmm. Where, like, she looks like someone different. And yeah. that's Avatar and Gamora. Mm-hmm. Her third biggest, I would say, is... Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's just... She's just a powerful presence. Mm-hmm. She, I feel like she doesn't have to compete with any other 
like any of the other actors on set um when it comes to charisma or anything like everything she just it does it doesn't feel like even if the characters are kind of competing it doesn't feel like they're trying to bring more attention to her than they need to because she just command just has that commanding presence and she's really good at changing her demeanor and her mannerisms to fit the character quite well Mm -hmm. so that like her chameleon type casting thing works out because she's able to do that and she does it with like accents and just she's she's alien or whatever it just works she's also like one of the only modern day um female action stars and the other one i think we'll probably talk about a little bit later in this episode in the way that like the majority of her films are action Mm -hmm. movies Mm -hmm. um where occasionally she'll do something where she's not playing an action star but for the majority she's in like more of these blockbustery things yeah um mine is angelina jolie okay (laughs) i mean obviously (laughs) obviously that's my other choice um you, you know i also really like scarlett johansson but like I guess I only like her as Black Widow because, like, man, Lucy is bad. Ghost in the Shell is awful. Mm-hmm. Then I, I don't blame them. I don't blame Lucy on her. She shouldn't have been in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. But, like... Just, like, the acting and the story, like, the character... Yeah, but it's... It's just not cohesive. Yeah, and just, like... I feel like she's just in bad films, but she's also another modern-day modern, modern female action star. Mm-hmm. Um but her films are just not... She's, like, either in super, super action or super, super rom-com. And it's mm-hmm. just, like... Yeah. Oh, Scarlet. Where can we put you? Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what she'll do after the MCU. Yeah. Um, but with with Angelina Jolie, um, I just... None of her films made my list. However, I just think that she goes in with a presence and she has that very like stereotypical like action lady like I'm here to mess some things up yeah. and sometimes she gets emotion and sometimes she doesn't but mm-hmm. like I'm always just like yeah yeah kill Brad Pitt and Mr. and Mrs. Smith I believe it a film that I secretly really love do people not like it? <laughs> I don't know no one oh. ever talks about it I feel like it's just one of those movies where it's like Everyone just, like, we all agree upon it. Why bother talking about it? Yeah, we all, like, agreed that it's a good, like, romantic (laughs) comedy action spy movie. I also just buy her as a tough woman who's just out there to, like, take names. and She's cool. Yeah. Steely-eyed. She really does have a very good glare. Mm -hmm. I'm scared of her a little bit. And, like, she just has that cool, calm demeanor about her. And so, like, films like Salt, mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I haven't seen the Tomb Raider, but I bet she does the exact same thing. She has to. <laughs> what else is she gonna do? That's her face! <laughs> What's Laura Croft gonna be? <laughs> All we had from her before was that she was pixely. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> that RuneScape pixel. 
<laughs> All right, everyone. If you want to answer the question of who's the who's your favorite lady action star, you can do so at friend of a friend podcast squarespace.com or on iTunes, where you can leave us a five star review or any star review. And now on with the show. Let's cool. go on. Sylvana. Yes. Did you have any uh, rules while you were making this list? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> None at all. Other than there had to be it had some to action fit in the title in the category. Yep. Yeah. Um, I had it as the main character needed to be a lady, or the main character was very questionable of who the main character is but i i'm gonna say it's the lady yeah there's there's one in particular where i'm like i don't know which one is the main character but this i need to make five movies yeah like there was one where it was basically that but then i justified it based on like the lines and screen time (laughs) um which uh, kind of gives my like one of mine away but you know and then i was also like is this are we doing a are we doing a Great Gatsby situation? Which I say like Nick Carraway is merely our narrator. Mm-hmm. Gatsby's the protagonist, so like the person who looks like the main character are they the main character or is like someone else the main character? Right, like the Matt. protagonist. Yeah. Um, I also made a rule that I didn't include a movie that Josh and I have done a full episode on before. Nice. I told you you could do whatever. I sure did. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Are we starting with our fifth? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I'll go first. I mean, we could start with our fourth. Nope. (laughs) We should start with our fifth. All right, you go first. Okay, my favorite, number five. (laughs) (laughs) Best movie ever, number five. Ever of all time, um, um, action movie starring a woman with a woman character is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, there she is. We talked about her a little bit, mm-hmm. but only her <clears throat> non-negativity last time. Yeah. So, I guess this movie wasn't perfect. It definitely has its holes all around, as some DC movies have done previously, but. And some continue to do, but whatever. Um, she... Look. Because she grew up on this secluded, isolated island and has to go out into the world, it makes sense that she's super naive to all of the bad stuff that happens and things that you can't necessarily explain. I feel like it was kind of a hop-out in the sense that all those things were explained by Ares, but that's... Hollywood, I guess. They gotta make it super dramatic for some reason instead of teaching a, like a real lesson. But mm-hmm. I think just the things that her character had to go through and the way everything kind of mapped out was pretty well done. It was a little slow at the beginning, but then when it reached that point where she's like running across that airfield or that dead zone or whatever it's called. No Man's Land. No Man's Land. Yeah, at that point, the movie picks up, and things are even more interesting, and picks up so much where you're just like, okay, mm-hmm. let's well, just this leak now. And Gal Gadot is so charming, mm-hmm. and like, um, a way, the way that she and Patty Jenkins 
worked together to create that character is far more interesting than the way that she and Zack Snyder and to even an extent Joss Whedon mm-hmm. do with that character um, where I think that Patty Jenkins just really focuses on the character and from that the action sequences really build up that momentum where you're like mm-hmm. well she's gotta do this because she cares about this yeah and it's like Especially when it comes to the camera work, when you you can tell that in Wonder Woman, they care way more about showing why or how the audience should admire this character rather than like fetishize fetishize, Mm -hmm. or just like look at this character as more of like instead of an actual character, just like a visual like appeal. Mm -hmm. And well, in that costume. The way that Patty Jenkins shoots her is, like, the costume itself feels like it has more relevance than when most people would shoot Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, like, any mm-hmm. female superhero. Yeah, I cried, like, the first, like, a lot when I saw Wonder Woman for the first time, because I was like, we finally did it. I know we had Catwoman and Elektra. But no one really talks about we... those with pride, you yeah. know? Which is unfortunate. <laughs> I liked Electra when I saw it, but I was also a kid. <laughs> so, not that there's anything wrong with I, the kid's perspective. I but. think we need to do just a side episode, a side podcast where we, uh, we need watch to review the, these. The, 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 twenty, the 2000s superhero films. Oh my gosh, Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll start, we'll start from 2000, so I think we start with X-Men. Okay. And we'll go until 2009. And all that's coming to mind are the 2008 films. So, but like, we'll figure it out. We'll, yeah. do, we'll just we'll just do all those. Okay, <laughs> it'll be a retrospective. We'll end with Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would end with The Dark Knight. Ooh. I think that one comes out a month or two later. Okay. Okay, so it's your number five. <laughs> number five. Yes. Is also a comedy. Oh. But. There are spies in it. And it's a little film by the name of Spy. Yes! Oh my gosh, I'm so upset at myself for not thinking of it too. Starring Melissa McCarthy. Oh gosh, that movie. It really <laughs> is top notch. One of the funny... Oh. Well, so in this film, like, Melissa McCarthy, who sometimes I'm on board with and off board with, I'm more for than against her. Yeah. Like, her <laughs> characters are sometimes so grating, but in this, it's like they took her, like, isn't this, they took her character and they're like, isn't it annoying? And they use it to a good extent. Yeah. And the humor of the film is not Melissa McCarthy falling over things. The humor yeah. of it is like, Melissa McCarthy is totally this, like, strong, independent woman who's, like, out there and, like, doing these amazing things, and you're like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, and she's just, it's fun, it's funny, it's hilarious. Uh, Jason Statham doing something very interesting. I feel like anytime he's in a comedy, I just have to brace myself because I don't know what he's gonna do. Have you ever ripped your own arm off so that you can get a key off the wall and then sewed it back on? I have! <laughs> His character is so... Uh. And, like, Rose Byrne, who, like... Rose usually, Byrne! Usually, like, the sweetest lady ever is, like, playing a horrible person. Yeah, and you're she's like, the antagonist. Oh, she's so good. And, like, the action itself is mixes humor and action and stakes so well and you're just like 
oh, and there's such a variety of action throughout it that you're just kind of like, why don't we do more of this, Melissa McCarthy? Yeah. Keep doing your, like, can you ever forgive me? You're great. But, like, mm-hmm. if you're going to go back to comedy, spy it up. Spy too. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> That is true. Yeah, I feel like you've said it all. Like that, I haven't seen that movie in oh, a while. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching it because I was in my screenwriting class in school, and my teacher or my instructor used it as an example of like a good opening. I think it, yeah, it was a good opening for a movie or an interesting one to dissect and everything. And we just read like the first couple pages of the screenplay for that film, and we also watched it. And I was just like, this is so good. So I went home that day, and I was like, I'm going to watch this freaking film. And it changed my life. <laughs> changed my life on her forever. Because I liked her enough, because I first saw her in Gilmore Girls, so all I've seen her as is this really, like, quirky lady who has some spunky attitude from Gilmore Girls. But then mm-hmm. she's doing all of this comedy and just, like, random drama, and I'm like, okay. But where's... Like, the movie that is, that captures, like, you, I feel like there's certain movies. Her persona. Yeah, like, the persona or, like, the essence of, there's certain people, I feel like, actors who have, like, a character that has the best essence of them in a way that's not like, oh, you're just playing yourself, but it's more like, what you're doing is just, like, I don't know, it's just, like. The only way I can think of it is, like, essential oils <laughs> and how, or just perfumes and how everyone wears the same perfume and it smells different on them because that's just how skin and stuff works. Mm-hmm. And, like, for her, it is just, like, the right formula that comes off perfectly and she's able to get everything pulled off pretty well. And smooth, I feel like. I don't know how to describe it. It's hard. No, yeah. And I think that Melissa Car- McCarthy, if she if she's going to continue down this comedy path, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I, I liked Life of the Party quite a bit. I think that she's going to want to stop being this, like, brash, mean character that she is in a lot of films yeah. and go on to just, like, finding the humor in, like, like life. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> All right, number four... Number four. Okay. Get ready. <laughs> My number four. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got to build this up. Okay. <laughs> My number four. I almost changed it just now, <laughs> like, without saying anything, but I, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it because it just means so much to me that a movie about a girl who has to leave her home and find herself as well as make a name for herself in society is able to not only save her father but also china as well and that movie is mulan you started and i was like what film is she possibly talking about (laughs) yeah it's mulan look i'm looking mulan was that movie for me growing up? That Disney movie. I There were so many Disney movies, like Beauty and the Beast, the Christmas version, where they focus on Christmas. Because I didn't focus on the original one when I was growing up. So when I actually saw it, I was like, what's, what's going on? I had the book, and I was like, 
this doesn't match the movie that I'm watching right now. There's no Christmas trees. We owned the Christmas version. We didn't own the original version. We, that's ex- you, so you know what I'm talking about I with the tree. Exactly they have to go out talking. and put it down, and they almost like drown and freeze to death. And anyways, we're drifting. I'm drifting. I remember watching Mulan when I was at my grandparents' house in California, and for some reason I was sick in the middle of summer when we visited, and I just remember watching Mulan in the living room by myself while everyone did their own stuff. And this movie is just the best, I feel like, animated film starring a woman where there's just so much heart right off the bat that you can empathize with them. And they're fan like pretty much all of the characters, um, other than maybe the antagonist, obviously. But Shen Yu, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, some people might. <laughs> I worry about them, but live your life. Um, but it's just everything's fleshed out from the beginning. It's a, it takes place in China, and maybe not everybody knows about that whole lifestyle. But it's pretty relatable. You get the whole sense of family responsibility, protecting your father, um, taking care of your elders, stuff like that. And then when she goes off to war, the stakes are, okay, she might get caught and get killed or something bad might happen if you were a kid and don't realize that people will get killed for that kind of thing. And when she finally gets caught... She doesn't just go home or try to face these things, these villains by herself. Like, sometimes you see people, like, st- like stomping off on a horse. <laughs> What's it? Riding off on horse, horses. Like, going into the thing head on by yourself. But she finds a team to go with her. Kind of, It's kind of like Wonder Woman, if you think about it. But slightly... Less plot holy ish, and then I don't know. Mulan, I don't know. She she takes the man home, but it's kind of open ended where it's like, will they end up together or not? Obviously, if we ignore Mulan too, we don't know. It's but... not the central focus of the film, yeah. Like, it's, it, her, her thing is about saving China mm-hmm. and like saving it's even less like saving China it's like oh my gosh these people who like I have been these men who I have like been around who I am friends with yeah like I don't want them to get killed either and so mm-hmm. like even to that like her connection to that and I think that what this is like when Disney is so starting to kind of dip their toes into diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is during the Renaissance. And, like, the other film in this that comes around in that same time dealing with diversity is Pocahontas. And in Pocahontas, Pocahontas doesn't have a character flaw. Yeah. Because, I like, Pocahontas is based on a real person, and they were like, well, we don't want to do any disrespect. Yeah. And that's why Pocahontas is, like... The most boring character mm-hmm. because like she's perfect but Fong yeah. Mulan like she's clumsy and she's not great at things mm-hmm. but then like guess what she like figures it out yeah and she's great and, and she like she uses her weaknesses as a strength mm-hmm. and like I just I loved Mulan growing up as a child um I haven't seen it in a while but like Mulan was the thing of like 
a girl can be a hero also. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, yeah. yeah. I also loved that when she goes back for her friends, it's like, even though not all of them left willingly, like, obviously it was up to Shang. I don't know why I'm spacing on his name when I know it by heart. But <laughs> when it's Shang's decision to <laughs> make everyone move on without her, like... Even though they left without her, she still goes for them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like just getting over it's just so much more than pride for her. It's more it's about that like companionship and the sen- the sense of family outside of your family as well. And I think that it does something very interesting with even like um gender expression because at the beginning of the film um the big conflict of like the first act is that like when she's all um makeuped up and her hair's done and she's wearing the very feminine dress like she doesn't feel comfortable in that mm-hmm. she doesn't feel like herself yeah so then she goes she goes like from strictly fem- feminine to strictly masculine mm-hmm. when she's in the army and then by the end of the film she's in this attire which is kind of a mix of both where mm-hmm. she finally feels like herself and so it's kind of like going through the journey of, like, I don't have to be one or the other. I can kind of... I get to be myself, and that's how I want to express myself. Yeah. Which is, like, why... One of my biggest things... And I know why they do it. Mm-hmm. I get it, because of money. Um, but, like, whenever I see Mulan toys or dolls, because she is part of the Disney princess um, uh, umbrella. Sure. All of her her things are in that very, like, feminine... Flowers. Flowery. And I was like, I wish it could be more of that outfit she has at the end. Mm-hmm. Where it's kind of, where, like, that's her journey. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think that that will get bought. <laughs> I would buy it. All right, for my number four. Yes. It's T2, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, starring Linda Hamilton. Maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to go with Linda Hamilton. Okay. Linda Hamilton. Sure. She's great. Uh, (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Yeah. She's great. Uh, Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor is such, like, a a twist from the first to the second. Because in the first, she kind of sucks because she's just a regular lady and, like, I mean, like, I mean, if we started getting hunted down by robots, we probably wouldn't know what to do either. So, like, it kind of makes sense with her character. Uh, but in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, she's like, I'm taking responsibility uh, for saving myself and my son, and I'm going to take care of this. And I think that um, Linda Hamilton herself probably doesn't give it, get as much credit for her performance in this, but... I think that what she does as Sarah Connor is great and so believable. And I know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is there and he has quite a few action scenes, but you're kind of like, well, he's a robot. Like, of course he's going to be brilliant at these things. But when Sarah Connor's there and doing her action things, you actually feel weight and tension to it. And you're like, whoa, this matters. Yeah. (laughs) Steaks? Oh, yeah. Big juicy steak. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think that Terminator 2 is such, like... I'm so, like, fascinated just by, um, how much fear get like, how scary it is and how, like, good it is considering the first one I know a lot of people love, but the first Terminator, I think, is bland. The second one is just surprising how much better it is. Nice. 
so I didn't see any of the Terminators. You don't. So you only need to see three. Listen, I've seen one, three, and five. I almost saw the one or one, with two, and five. Sorry, not one, three. One, two, and five. Um. You almost saw the fifth one in theaters. No, I almost saw this. The one with Christian Bale in it. The fourth one. Sure. And then I almost saw the one with. Is it Amelia Clark? The fifth one. Yeah, I almost saw that one too. And, uh, see, I don't hate this guy any, as much because he's not acting anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. He plays Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad. Help me out. Oh my gosh. Uh, Jai Courtney! Yeah, how could you forget? <laughs> Every. Did I watch it? I don't think I watched it with. I feel like I've watched that episode or I've listened to that episode <laughs> so much that I've just heard you freak out about him so much that I feel like it's. How do you not remember? He's the Jai Courtney of Jai Courtney's. <laughs> what a time. What a time. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I don't have... I, T2. T2. <laughs> I don't have as much of, much of an emotional connection to that one. Yeah. Um, the next one I also probably don't, but then, like, two and one will get there. I can, like, talk uh, my head off. Okay, good, because I... It'll get less and less for me. <laughs> Which makes sense, for sure. Okay. I mean, this is your first list. It's hard. You're right. I did... But I did think really hard about these and research very deeply, so... I kind of don't have any... <laughs> when we were sitting in the movie theater trying to make our list? Yeah, off the top of our head with no help from Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay. Number three for me. <sighs> I don't like these heavy sides you start with. So here we go. Time to talk it about. Number three for me. This is a... I'm going to narrow it down to one film, but this is a franchise that is very... is controversial and mostly in the quality. It's one of those franchises where it was booked to film, and so there's always those things where it's like, oh, did they depict this accurately? Oh, they... There was whitewashing. Oh, there, like all kinds of things, which are totally valid for sure. But focusing on, I guess, mostly the story and the character and the general film itself that they were putting out, um, and like the quality of those things, I'm gonna say my number three is Hunger Games, the franchise, but I'm actually focusing on the first and the fourth. So, it went from four to a one to two films. And if I tell you I don't remember what happens in three or four. Mm-hmm. Three and four are both Mockingjay. Yeah. And that's the fourth book. There's one that feels like a video game. Because weird stuff happens. two. No, it's one of those, because, like, all I remember is they're running at some point, and then people turn into pixels, and I was literally like, what just happened? Oh my gosh, do they? Um, I feel like you're talking about Catching Fire, because they've spent the most time in the arena in that one, and there's, like, always each, like, it was basically, like, monster of the day in that one. But while she looks that up, or whatever she does, um... (laughs) I think Hungry... I don't know. Like, like, when that whole franchise got kicked off of the books during my time in high school, 
That was when I was pretty knee-deep in young adult fiction. And I had been reading Twilight and, like, Pretty Little Liars and all kinds of stuff. And that one stuck out to me the most because of mostly the independence of the character for Katniss. And I think of all of Jennifer's, Jennifer Lawrence's performances that I've seen since then, that first movie of her as Katniss is one of her strongest roles that I feel moves me the most just because I feel, I don't know if it's because it's the first film of the franchise so it just kicks off this emotional story or what it was about that but something about her what she brought to the screen and for that character was just so I guess unique and something that we hadn't really seen before when it comes to like dystopian films especially for films led by women which at the time were even less than they are now no yeah and um and since her character was supposed to be a teenager and not like a grown woman that's the one where she feels most like a teenager Mm because she kind of like sucks at things yeah and like you're like yeah like a kid Mm -hmm. probably shouldn't be this good at some things right and like she's like awkward around other people and it's like yeah she is socially awkward because she doesn't hang around other people and Mm -hmm. people her age especially so i feel like she just did a really good job in is this why you like liam hensworth no why do you like liam hensworth I don't know. He's just kind of there and he doesn't really do anything. Do you just feel bad for him? Because, like, his brother's like. I think I like him because of his brother. (laughs) It's like the. It's like like the Jonas Brothers. I like this one because the other ones are so popular. It's like how I like. um, What's this? I like the husband. (laughs) The husband of. Oh my gosh, we just talked about her in Spy. Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. I like her husband because... Ben Falcon. Ben Falco. Because of the fact that he is her husband. Oh, okay. Not because I've seen him, like, all of his work, which I don't know, I don't... There's probably just one film that I've seen of him without her in it, but I can't... I might be making that up. Anyways. Anyways, Hunger Games. She just... Her character was just super empowering in that first film, and they, I, I don't know if they were nervous about the reception or not, so that's why they made it so close to the, fir- to the first book, and they were kind of nervous about taking chances, about doing different things with it. Um, obviously, they had to for film, like, adapting to film, but I feel like it was just a good introduction to a franchise even though some of it kind of flew all over the place towards the end they just were able to get the audience to empathize with this character and if the people didn't then obviously i feel like there's a lot of emotions that come with those books that that kind of go follow towards the screen So separating those emotions are hard sometimes, but from just staring at the film itself, it's really strong 
for that character. Yeah. Um, I think the first Hunger Games is the one I like the most. Mm-hmm. And after that, I'm like, what are we, do? What, are we what, what point are we trying to make here? Um, and I think the, <laughs> there's so much going on. <laughs> um, I also just think that what the first one does really well is that it gives Katniss a, uh, Someone who it, it feels like she's fighting for outside of herself, and that's that's in the form of Rue. And mm-hmm. after that, we kind of lose Rue, because Rue is also just, like, a substitute for her sister, but then, like, her Plot sister is, har- <laughs> is hardly a character. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm-hmm. Oh, we could have put Darkest Minds on here. No. <laughs> Okay, so my number three, <laughs> my number three is a film, a little film called Kill Bill Volume One. Oh, <laughs> another movie I have not seen. I think so, I did. Um, so in Kill Bill Volume One, uh, we're following essentially Uma Thurman on her quest for vengeance, and you know, as far as like the genre of vengeance films go. Mm-hmm. And all action films really go. It's male dominated, but I think that Kill Bill is one of the one like this is like stands out because it's one of the few of just like we're gonna essentially make a kung fu vengeance samurai film. We're gonna put some women in it, and I think Uma Thurman does a very good job of like convincing us as to why we should believe her and follow her through her journey of like oh, I want revenge. And I think that there are moments between her and, like, Vivica Fox and Lucy Liu where you're like, oh, these characters do have a past and they're all, they're very fun to watch. Um, It's a very violent film, so if you don't like violence, I don't recommend this film. But (laughs) overall, I just think that there's a lot of good things going on and I just, I'm always amazed every single time I watch it where I'm just like, wow. She did that. <laughs> <laughs> this happened. Wiggle your toe. Wiggle oh, your big toe. Sorry, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand that reference. I don't. But I'm looking her up. I have seen her in things. Uma Thurman? Yeah, she plays... <laughs> You're gonna laugh. She <laughs> plays someone in <laughs> Percy Jackson and the Olympians. The And do you know who she plays? Savannah, do you go to Medusa? Savannah, do you go to all of the like YA novel adaptations? Yes, <laughs> I told you that I wa- I read a lot of them in high school. So if they're being adapted to film, I'm going to watch them. I'm gonna watch them all. Gotta. She's also in um, a bunch of other things. Yeah, I've never seen Batman and Robin. Did not seen. Oh my, Savannah! We gotta watch all these bad superhero oh films. Gosh. We're gonna have to start in the nineties. Nineties to okay, the nineties <laughs> to twenty ten. That's twenty years. Of I film. think it would be really interesting to just start at the beginning. I think so too. And like, wow, how did we get here? It's probably better that we got here. <laughs> as tired of we as we are of all the Marvel films, like it's probably this is probably this. Is the best it's ever gotten. <laughs> and we we could make the choice not to go see them anymore. I'm going like, this to. This is our this is our decision. 
Right. Like, there, or, are, there are some coming out that I'm like, I don't know if I need to go see the Joker film. What? <laughs> the Joker film. Did I did I stutter? Uh, Starring Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, so... I think funny. they just followed him with a video camera to see what he did. Anyways... <laughs> So that's a good number three. Okay. My number two. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just going to jump into it. Mad Max Fury Road. Furiosa. Furiosa herself. Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. Oh, man. So. I think think Mad Max isn't he the main character? So. He doesn't speak for most of this film. He's a a quiet boy. He is a quiet boy. And the only time you realize that he's there is when the camera's like, BT dubs. Max is just sitting in the corner, glaring at everything. He's like there to drive the car when she has to do something more important. Exactly. And that's good. That's, That's That's all we needed. Really all we needed. Because the plot is about Charlize... Trying to save these pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Well, she's the reason why anything even happens because, like, all she does is take a left turn, and then after that, like, chaos ensues. Yeah, man. Um, she. Ch- I just love it because when you first, like, I didn't. I don't know if people actually delved in. People, I mean, hardcore fans probably did, but I went into this movie not looking up anything really about this film. Mm-hmm. Have um, you, have you, had you seen any of the other Mad Maxes? Y- yeah, absolutely. I had a friend who actually had me watch all of them because he said a new film was coming out. And I was like, I mean, I have no interest in this genre, but I'm going to do it. So I did do it. And I'm glad I did because I feel like I would have... If I hadn't seen the previous three, I would have been disappointed by Tom Hardy's Max not doing anything, really. Com- like, compared to the expectation, because Tom Hardy's characters usually do stuff. Uh-huh. Um, Tom Hardy's usually a-, a lead? Yeah, but, like, in this movie, it's not necessarily him taking a backseat, but he was literally in the passenger seat, just mm-hmm. kind of being su- the supporting but also grounding character, because... The character of Max is really interesting in that he starts off as the main and then in different films he is able to just more be a part of the plot than drive the plot. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, what that dystopian world is good for because there's just so much going on and so many different stories going on that not every single story needs to be about Max. It needs to just be... You know, well, and so for this one, it was good because Furiosa and Max shouldn't be that interesting of a character, anyways. Like Max should just be like a semi-regular guy in this place and yeah. just trying to make it through. And that's why Furiosa is far more interesting. Mm-hmm. And like, she's the one who's essentially in charge of everything. And like, it's just very, it's very hard to tote that line of like making a character because like there's the stereotype of like the action lady mm-hmm. who's like her main thing is like i'm one of the guys like yeah i'm a tough strong lady but i think what with furiosa what frank miller does george miller does very well is that 
she's insecure about mm-hmm. things and she has emotions mm-hmm. and she has moments of femininity. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, it, you're a person. Yeah. You're not just a caricature. Yeah. So weird. I know. And I also liked how she wasn't necessarily like fully able bodied. Like mm-hmm. they included someone who had gone through some stuff. Mm hmm. And they showed how it's actually doable to survive the way you are and how to improvise and do all kinds of stuff. And I think the way Charlize did it, like that introduction of her, like going up to the truck and everyone cheering her on. And you don't know if she's an antagonist or protagonist yet at that point. Mm-hmm. And just her, I think the camera shots capturing her facial expressions and her eyes and just showing how she seems almost like tripped is trepid or like there's trepidation where she seems like determined but at the same time scared mm-hmm. but at the same time ready to dive into it anyways and just accepting things as they are and trying to go with the flow of things and you're just trying to figure out what she's doing and who she is and she just has this air of mystery that even as you get to know her and learn more about her and see more of her character you still feel like she has the most control out of everybody in the whole film i don't know she just does it so well that i can watch it all the time and just never lose that sense of admiration for the strength that she brings out in that character nice my number two is a film that i love Mm-hmm. Called Crouching Tiger. <laughs> oh, messed up. Called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. All right, Crouching Tiger, ha- Hidden Dragon. Two words, Michelle Yeoh. Is there anything else to say about this? Yes, there is. Okay, so <laughs> Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in itself is just like this film about this woman who's essentially having to give up part of her femininity in order to still keep her status. And the whole film is about. Her not being able to fall in love with uh, Chow Yun-Fat, who is this, like, great warrior. But you're mm-hmm. watching Michelle Yeoh throughout this, and you're like, nah, this this lady is great. And what's also interesting about this film is that it creates two antagonists who are also women. Mm-hmm. The villains of these are also women, and it's Michelle Yeoh essentially having to overcome these opposing women, which we hardly see in America. And mm-hmm. I think it might even be... It might even still be a little bit not as seen within um, a lot of Asian cinema. And Mm -hmm. I just think that this film, the way that it does its action, which is a lot of wire work, and it's not believable. Yeah. But you're just so ingrained with it. You're like, yes. Michelle Yeoh in it also... uh, She is not a fluent Chinese speaker. Her entire performance is her essentially doing a phonetic performance. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I bought it. And yeah. I am an American audience, and I don't speak Chinese. And mm-hmm. people who do speak Chinese are kind of like, yeah, it's a little bit flat. And I'm like, oh, I, never, I, I never knew. Yeah. But I'm just so ingrained with everything that she's doing with her eyes and her face, and that these three female characters are never sexualized, and they just want to be free of, like, the pressures of society that these men have put on them, and, like, mm-hmm. we're just trying to 
break the chains of fate and society and be our own person, and that's what this whole film is about. Yeah. And there's a sword. At least one sword. <laughs> at least one crouching tiger. And, and at two least two hidden dragons. Two hidden dragons. Jade Fox. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, man. I haven't seen that one either. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you started out and I was like, oh, she's seen this. (laughs) Listen. I'm listening. I came close to watching it. Um, I was visiting some family Uh down in LA. They were watching it. And I was in the next room. And it was like, it's not like a room like with a door. It's like there was the living room, a small hallway, and then another room. Um, like a sitting room or something. It was like a game room. And I was there. <laughs> I saw screenshots of it. So Get away from it's me. really close. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to watch it now. <laughs> Ruining wives and friendships every the single day. The first time I saw it, I was with a group of friends. And uh, you know what fooled me... What type of film you probably don't watch with a group of friends? It's uh, foreign language films. Okay. Because you have to read. Right. Um, if you don't speak the language. Uh, and, like, when you have more than, I would say, two friends with you, mm-hmm. uh, the main purpose of putting on a movie is that you're talking, but you're pretending like you have another activity going on. Sure. But, like, I was, like, so ingrained with this movie, and my friends were like, blah, 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 and I'm like, I'm watching them. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh. When, wait, you were, this came out, when did this come out? 1997. Okay. I watched it, I was in college the first time I watched it. Okay. I was at a lake house with some friends. Oh, okay. You know all but one of them. Sure. The people I hung out with in my senior year. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Sylvana. Yeah. What's your number? You're you're at your number one. Should we do honorable mentions? Let's do honorable mentions. I have Sandy Bullock for Miss Congeniality. Yes. I have J Law for. I have the, um, Hunger Games on there. Mm-hmm. I also kind of had X Men. Uh, Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Because, it's it's closer. It's closer to being Hugh Jackman's film, but, like, essentially everything is caused by Mystique. Yeah. Um, and that's all I had. Ooh, and <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't add this to my honorable mention, but Logan would have been good. Logan would have been good. It's yeah. too much about him, though. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely focused on Logan, but, um, the second most compelling thing about that film is... Um, Patrick Stewart. No. <laughs> no. No. The villain. The girl. Daisy. Keith O'Keefe. I don't know if that's her name. Who? The g- girl's. The, the actress's name. I don't. Is her name that? <laughs> now I'm gonna check it out. All right. What? What else did you have? What oh, did yeah. you have? Okay, so Maleficent. Uh huh. Um. Daphne Keen. See, you, you had the letters and the vowels <sighs> right. I was like, her name's a flower. It's not. It's not. 
Yeah, so Maleficent, Underworld franchise, um, and The Assassin, which, The Assassin, I don't know, I feel like some, it could, either a lot of people could know about it, or not a lot of people could know about The Assassin, but it's basically this movie, um, that takes place in some century of China, like the 13th or whatever, it's like ancient China, um, this assassin grows up in like the same small town as this boy and um, and then she leaves it for some unknown reason and then she comes back as an assassin and she is assigned to kill the person in charge and I think he's like the lord or like a, like a magistrate of this area and she eventually falls in love with him and it's complicated but there's also like little to no dialogue in this film it's very visual focused but because it's focused on visuals the actress Shu Chi I believe her name is she is just so good <laughs> her stage presence is so good and it it could just be because that's what the movie wants you to do just focus on her like character how she's able to have these fluid motions that are super confident and everything like that, but I don't know. I feel like that also just might be her because I've seen her in a couple other films and she still has that sense of, um, she has a glare too, like kind of like Angelina Jolie, but not the level, but like her in her own, with her own twist, mm -hmm. which is fun, but yeah. I think that's all for my honorable mentions. All right, what's your number one? Annihilation. Annihilation. Ooh, that's such a good one. <laughs> this film, man. So I didn't read the books, so I didn't know it was based off of a book until I think we were sitting in the theater and Kylie was like, "You know what? You got me." This could be as good as the book. <laughs> you said something like I that. I have it right now. You literally have it in your hands. I know. Um, man, there's just so much about this. And it's not even just Natalie Portman's like performance. All of them. It's all of them. It's all the ladies. We're all there. Everyone's there. But I think Natalie Portman... I think what's great about Natalie Portman's character... And how it drives the film is because she, it, it's like the whole premise makes it seem like she's off to find her husband, which is like, oh, that's cute. You, you miss your husband. and Well, he's already been found. She's trying to save her husband. Right. But then at the same time, you're like, are you trying to save your husband? Or are you just trying to run away? Oh, yeah. To get distracted by, which is the best part. I love exploring character flaws and then either growing from them or having something completely traumatic happen to you, like turning into a tree um, or being being cloned by yourself, because that's the well. And I also think science. that the film is also about. A the different ways people deal with death or come to terms with death mm -hmm. um, and all of them 
kind of deal with it in bad in different ways and and some some better than others like Tessa Thompson seems the most calm and accepting of it mm-hmm. um, while Gina Rodriguez goes out fighting till the end mm-hmm. where Tuva Novotny's character kind of just like it just happens suddenly and she can't she doesn't have time to react to it mm-hmm. uh, and I think that I think the Annihilation is such an interesting, um, it's an, it's an interesting look at action because all of these people, or at least some of them, I don't remember if all of them are, are part of the military, but they're also all scientists. Mm -hmm. So it's a mixture of like, we're not just going to put like pure action people out there. We're putting, we got to put some scientists out there because they got to do some stuff too. Mm -hmm. Um, to explore this like unhidden world. And then there's a giant bear monster dog. (laughs) The one that has all the voices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Cause they sent all the strong people and they were like, this isn't really working out. So let's do the last one with scientists who actually can get things. <laughs> and only one of them comes back. Yeah. And her name is Natalie Foreman. She sure does. Or is it the silver person? <laughs> you know, is, was wow. it the, is it called the shimmer or the yeah. glimmer? Uh, I think it's called the shimmer. Okay. All right. Yeah. My number one. Mm-hmm. It's no surprise. It's Sigourney Weaver's masterpiece everyone knows Selena probably hasn't seen this film Avatar get out of here <laughs> Avatar Selena Selena Holes Holes you're right it's Holes okay that's what I thought she's the lead of that it's not Shia LaBeouf's story no it's the Warrens <laughs> she has the most screen time or at least her character does she has both the past and the present. She only has the present. But her character has the past because she's shown as a little girl growing up. Oh, okay. There you go. I thought you were saying she was kissing Kate. No. Bart, though. Oh my gosh. I Okay, kissing Kate might have more of a role than anybody else. Okay, yeah. okay so, Lehu. <laughs> Um, okay, so, uh, Alien is the film I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Alien... Alien is such a special film uh, to me. Uh, just about how, like... It's this woman who is so freaking smart about how she's gonna survive this. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's got the gun, mm-hmm. and she's got some physical feat to her. But the way that she overcomes all of these obstacles are by using... Her most important muscle is the brain. Mm-hmm. And she she essentially is outsmarting this pure piece of, like, violence. And, like, in a way that's so smart that you're just like, oh. And it's not traditional action. And I think that that's what's so drawing to the film Alien is that it's more of a horror action film mixed with all of its sci-fi elements but she performs all of her actions in a way that it's not something that Schwarzenegger or Stallone would do in that sense and this is from the 80s it's action in a way where like you care about this character and the way that she kicks butt 
is by outsmarting the creature and using technology to her advantage. I mean, she also saves a cat. Yeah. And we talked about last episode how important cats are. They are perceived as evil initially, but then they come to protect you. (coughs) And they are evil. Yeah. They actually are evil, but they'll still protect you. Um, I, I, Alien, I think, uh, is a film that you could probably watch Sylvana without getting too scared. Yeah. Is it like Sunshine, but less boring? <laughs> You've seen Sunshine? Yeah. Killian Murphy <laughs> is in it. Chris Evans is in it. I know. Why wouldn't Rose I see Burns it? Burns in it. Exactly. Michelle Yeoh's in it. Heck yeah. We're going to talk about that uh, in two episodes from now. Michelle Yeoh. No, Sunshine. Oh, good. Yeah, that movie's just Yes, so it's much. like Sunshine, but less boring. I mean, sun- I think Sunshine is really good, despite its slow burn and, like, its slasher ending. I think it's really interesting. And it takes a look at the human condition in an interesting way, but... Anyways. Josh had a brief list that we're going to go through. Yes. Okay, so here's my list to share when you record. Women in action films list. See, that's the first part. But I don't think Josh got this right. (laughs) Or Josh didn't understand. Women in action films list. It was action films starring women. Oh, okay. A.K.A. Josh's list, which holds no real barring on anything and is definitely the least important list on the episode. And any discrepancies are factual and points well taken. Continue. <laughs> Number five, Michelle Rodriguez in the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm-hmm. She's in them. Yeah. Number four, Emily Blunt in Sicario. She okay. is the lead of that. Okay. Charlize there. Oh, sorry. Sigourney Weaver, Aliens. We saw, yeah. We agree. Charlize Theron, Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. And Laura Dern, Jurassic Park. She's in it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I told Josh that if he wanted to make a list, I would read it out for him. Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. He's in Disneyland right now. I don't know if I told him we said that last week. Yeah. Or last episode. Maybe they all think he quit, and now you're my new co-host. Yeah, we just kind of just threw me in there without any warning, but it's fine. <laughs> I gave, don't worry, I gave you, like, a month and a half of warning. <laughs> that's true, and I still went in with my very thought-out... <laughs> list that I did not come up with just today. Yeah. Or even this afternoon. Yeah. Because that's, that'd be irresponsible. Well, I thought this list was going to be a lot easier than it was. And yeah. It was the opposite of yeah. that. We, our original list was women, film starring women. And we yeah. thought, no, 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 let's, for, let's we throw some sights on it. it. Yeah. <sighs> Alright, Sylvana. This has been fun. It has been fun. No game this episode. That's fine. But... <sighs> If you want to get a hold of us, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. You can do so at, um... D-W-T-S. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at DWTS underscore podcast. You can also find us on Letterboxd at Darby ACT and Kelly Gallisher. Or Sylvana. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening. I've been Kylie. I've been Sylvana. I'm so tired. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> Low energy. Quack. <laughs>